Welcome to King's Touch Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's Word will impact your everyday life. I want to make sure that the understanding of these gifts is clear in your head. Why? Uh, Because there is a lot of confusion out there and we do not want to be a confused church. Okay? Uh, If I am your pastor and you're confused that you're not my sheep. You know, if Pastor Sia is your pastor and you're confused, you're not her sheep. Um, We want people who understand the word of God and don't get confused. If somebody came and prophesied to you and said, this is what the Lord is saying, you don't even panic. You just look at them and laugh and say, that is not the God I know. You know, uh, you, you need to be that firm. You get my point. And so we want a church that is rooted a church that has a clear understanding of what God is saying, of the ways of God, of the systems of God, of the structures that God has put in place. And if we are clear about that, then there will be no confusion because the Bible says that what the fivefold ministry ought to do, well, let's go there, Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin from verse 10. Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin from verse 10. Okay, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Why? Why did he give these five? Why did he give why did God decide to give this fivefold ministry? Couldn't God do it by himself? Well, this is what God decided. And this is why he gave. The reason why is, and he himself said, for the equipping of the saints. So it means that the, 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 the work of anyone who functions in the fivefold ministry is that whatever they're doing should lead up to the saints being equipped. For what? For the work of ministry. Other versions say for acts of service, for the work of ministry. So there is nothing like a Christian who has nothing to do. There is nothing like a Christian who just comes to sit at church and listen to the word of God and go away, you know, just a circle, you know, that keeps the status quo, the state of things as they are, zero grazing, always just going around, you know, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. That's what the Bible says. That's a scripture in the Bible, you know. Um, uh, um, so it, that's not the agenda of God. The agenda of God is that every person born of the Spirit, born again, who believes in Jesus Christ, has a part to play in the kingdom of God. And the part is to be equipped so they can serve. That means if they're not equipped, they will not serve, or at least they will not be effective. So in order for you to serve effectively, you've got to be equipped. Now, that's why church is also a classroom. That church is also a school where you come to be taught to learn spiritual things. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, concerning spiritual things, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant is not knowing and not wanting to know. Because the Bible says, my, the Lord said, but my people perish because of the lack of knowledge. And he says, because you have rejected knowledge, therefore have I also rejected you, that you should not be priests unto me. So the lack of knowledge is what breeds ignorance. And ignorance is not anything that God celebrates. So as a child of God, you've got to upgrade yourself to have proper spiritual understanding because life works on your understanding of spirituality. Whether you like it or not, you cannot dodge spiritual things. And he said concerning spiritual things, I would not have you ignorant. 
your pastor ought not to be the only person that, un- that, has, that knows the Bible, understands the Bible, quotes the Bible. No, you too should be one that knows the Bible, reads the Bible, understands the Bible because you cannot know God apart from his word. God has tied himself to his word. Your words explain to me who you are. So he says, go back to Ephesians chapter 4. So in this church, is one thing we're going to fight is ignorance. And we're going to fight it by teaching and teaching the right doctrine. Somebody say amen. He said the reason why they should be taught is for this fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why? So that what? Until we all come to the unity of the faith. So if we are not yet united, just like right now, we, be- we all believe in Jesus, but every church has its own doctrine, its own ways, its own this and that. And that's not the agenda of Christ. The agenda of Christ is that everybody who believes in Jesus should be one family. One family. Until we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is what, this is where it's taking us. To the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the son of God. This is the church that God is raising. A church that knows more about the son of God. Not more about other things and other people. And, and, and you know. We don't want to be a church where. The pastor. The prophet. The apostle is much bigger than the Jesus. If Jesus is not on top of that church. It's a cult. I don't care how big it is and how much money they have. Jesus, he said, until they come to the knowledge of the Son of God, we've got to be teaching the knowledge of the Son of God. And there's a lot of land just about the Son of God. So he says, unto a perfect man. Now that word perfect simply means a mature man. Someone who can discern, someone who knows right from, someone who knows what is what. He's mature in Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Believe me, this scripture is in your Bible. That we should no longer be children. So a lot of things that are happening in the body of Christ. It's simply because the people have refused to grow. The man has refused to grow. There's no maturity. How do I know that? Because of some of the things they say. You hear someone, on, just because somebody has the money to buy airtime on TV does not make them mature. Some of the things they say are simply pathetic. And you, sometimes I think this, some of these guys say things and The father has to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, did I say that? (laughs) Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, did I say that? I said, no, no, Lord, just just a man. Just a man. He said that we may no longer be children. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, did things as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish thinking. Childish thinking. That we may not be, no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, some of you are still there. That's why you don't understand loyalty. You're there, you're here, you're there, you're there, you're there. At the end of the day, you're confused. And then you say, I think I'm going to just leave this whole thing alone because I don't understand it. This person says this. Who told you to listen to everybody? And, and, you know, you are listening to what everybody is saying without any knowledge of the Bible. You have no knowledge of the word of God. The only Bible you hear is from the preacher. Now, that's just not it. That's still, that's still a child in the spirit. 
you uh, uh, someone who has begun to mature is someone who can actually have fellowship with their bibles you you can you develop the discipline to actually sit down with your bible and read it and not feel like calling jane and not feel like calling peter and not feel like calling anyone and you can stay and read your bible and not feel like going anywhere you sit down to read your bible that's when you realize you want to go to the bathroom that's when you realize you're hungry that's when you realize you wanted to watch a certain program on tv that's when you realize that you, you forgot to call somebody. When you sit down to read your Bible. It's not the same when you sit down to watch a movie. And you know the Bible says be strong, immovable. Movies might move you. Glory to God. Carried Tossed to and fro and carried by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men. In the cunning craftedness of deceitful plotting. So the fivefold ministry has a work to ground you. And if they're not grounding you, if what they're doing is not grounding you, how does your Mercedes-Benz ground me in the Lord? So does it mean that Jesus who never drove a Mercedes-Benz wasn't spiritual? He rode a donkey. All right, I know you might tell me, but if, well, if he were here today, he would have driven a Jaguar. Okay, maybe. But how important is that in the kingdom of God? How does it make someone's life different? Because if the gospel has become about what we have and what we don't have, and what we have has now determines our spirituality. Then I think there's something lacking. Now I'm not saying God should not provide. Because the Bible says that my God shall supply all your needs. Philippians 4.19. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God will supply everything. Okay. But then some things are for you. They're not necessarily to flaunt around. If God has blessed you, that's fine. Now you can be a blessing to others. You know, you don't have to. You know, you can testify. Rightly so, you can testify. And never be afraid to testify. It might encourage someone else. But when it's done with pride and comparison. Bible says they comparing one, themselves one to another become fools. Can you imagine? They comparing themselves one to another become fools. I don't want to know your bank account. It doesn't bless me. That's your bank account. You keep it. Hello? So, God gave the fivefold ministry to be a blessing. But when somebody steps into the fivefold ministry and doesn't know how it ought to operate, they mix because they're still children. The gift might be powerful, but the character has not yet formed. So, don't just follow the gift. That's why he said, you shall know them by their fruit. The gift should match the fruit. That's maturity. That brings good balance. So the fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints so that the saints can do the work of ministry. Ministry simply means service. Jesus himself said, I came to serve, not to be served. Some of our preachers, if they were Jesus, I wonder what they would have done. Because they would just lay at the beach, cross their legs. And begin to call, make a line, you know. Just, it's, it, 
it, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. He came to serve. That was his agenda, to serve. But every king is there to be served. How come this one came to serve? That's the example he left for us. That we should be servants of the people. Serving the Lord. Amen. So, um, he, he set these ministries or these gifts, the five ministry gifts. Those are the gifts that God will use to mature the church. Those are the gifts God will use to stabilize the church so that the church is not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Amen. First Corinthians 12, 28. Oh, we didn't finish. Did we? Yeah, we read this. Yeah, we read this. Yeah, so we did that. Yeah, First Corinthians 12, 23. 1228 rather. And God appointed these in the church. First, in God's order. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing. Helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Now we'll get to that. We'll get to all that. But I, what I wanted to show you there is that the, the first ministry that God put in the New Testament is the ministry of an apostle. The second one is the ministry of a prophet, and the third is the ministry of a teacher. So we'll start by looking at the ministry of the apostle, since it's the first in that order. We'll break it down. Don't worry, I'll get to you. We'll break it down, you know. And so he set some in the church, and that's, that was the order. So, the fivefold ministry is a ministry gift that is resident within the person. In other words, the person was born with it. They may realize it later in life. They may realize it when they're younger, but they were born with it. They were born to operate that way. Now, whether they get to realize their office or not, it depends on how well they prepare themselves. And we'll talk about that as well. It depends on how well they prepare themselves, how well they understand it. But from, a, from, a, uh, from, from the time they realize that God has called them, they are sure that God has called them. So in case you're thinking, has God called me? Am I an apostle? Am I a prophet? Am I? In case you're still you know, thinking, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, there's a good chance he hasn't. Not everyone has been called to be in the fivefold ministry. And you cannot call yourself there. Okay? Somebody once walked up to me and said, I want to be a prophet. <laughs> Guy, you, 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 you can't just want to be a prophet. God has got to call you there. And no amount of laying hands, feet, pouring oil, water, whatever it is, no amount of anything like that will ensure a calling from God. Hello? It doesn't make you anything just because someone who says he's a, who claims to be a prophet or is a prophet lays hands on you and says from today you're a prophet. If you are not called to be a prophet or to, from today you're an apostle, if you are not called there, it will not make you one of them. I will tell you where you come in. It will not make you one of them. So this is not for everybody. They are those that are chosen. They are elected by grace to be in those offices. So every time you see your spiritual leader, thank God for them. At least if they are proper, thank God for them. Because not everybody is called there. Amen. And, and these gifts are not going away because somebody, some people say, you know, 
oh no, apostles no longer exist. You know, they, they existed after, after Jesus left and after the, the last apostle died, there are no more apostles. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. These offices will exist. For how long? Ephesians 4.13. For how long? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 answers to that. Until we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So if we don't get there, then the apostle still exists. Now, obviously, I'm going to break that down so you understand. So that if anybody says, ah, you know, the apostles no longer exist, who said they no longer exist? There is no scripture that says that. Some people think, okay, now the only offices that exist are the offices of the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher. They erase the two, the office of the prophet and the office of the apostle. Those offices still exist, five of them. Just because someone has no proper understanding of them does not erase them. They still exist. Now, this is why we need to study them so that you know that they exist. You know their proper function. You know that if you encounter a prophet, you've encountered a true prophet of God. And if you encounter one that is otherwise, you know that this isn't so that you don't get moved. Amen. So until we come to that, those officers will still be there, you know. We are in the process of going, growing towards the fullness of the measure of stature of Christ. So for as long as we're still growing, God will still have to use those offices to grow uh, the church. You know? And God has placed an anointing, a specific anointing, on every one of those offices. Every one of them has a different anointing. They have an anointing, all right, but they have a different anointing. And that anointing, like I said, is to help to equip to mature the saints, you know, the ministry is a divine call. It's got to be a divine call. God alone set men and women into the place of these gifts. So you don't call yourself because you can't call yourself. Yeah? You can't equip yourself. God has got to call you. And if God calls you, God will equip you. Amen. If God calls you, all you need to do is to obey and say, here I am, send me. And then he will, he will do. So, taking off just to look at the apostolic ministry, since we read that it was the first. Who is the apostle? We said he's a gift to the body of Christ. And we gave the reason as to why he's a gift. But who is the apostle? Now, that word apostle. Okay, I'm going to give you the classifications. That word apostle comes from the, word, the Greek word apostolos, which simply means the sent one, the one who is sent with a message, sent for a purpose. He's an emissary. He's an ambassador. So, in fact, it's even funny that this word apostolos was not synonymous with Christianity. In the old days, during this time, Great men or rich men or certain men actually had apostles. Kingdoms and kings had apostles. So in those days, in, in this region, most of the uh, great men, like I said, had emissaries or apostles. So when the king or whoever it was, the rich man or whoever it was, the man of influence, the man, the leader, wanted to communicate a certain message to a certain group of people, he would call his apostle and tell him, I want you to go to these people and I want you to deliver this message. Now, that man, when he's in the court of whoever called him, is an ordinary man. So he's called. Then he comes, says, I would like you to go to so-and-so or this group of people in this place and deliver this message this way. So he's given a message and he's told, deliver the message. So he takes, he takes 
uh, whoever he needs to go with, if there is any, and then he goes to the place. Now, when he goes, he goes in the full authority. He goes in the full power of the one who is sending him. As a matter of fact, he doesn't go as him. He goes as the sender. He goes in the fullness of the authority of he that, is sent, he that sent him. So when he arrives, he goes with full confidence. And the first thing he would do when he would step off his horse or arrive at the destination, he would go to the people and then he would tell them, I am an apostle. The first thing they would ask him would be, whose apostle are you? Because every apostle has to have a sender. So who sent you? Now they ask the question who sent you so that they can know the authority of the sender and then they can decide if they will obey. Because the sender sends in the fullness of his authority. So he would tell them, I am so-and-so's apostle. And then if the person who has sent them is worthy, they would bow in, re in respect. Because they know he has not just come as him. He has come as the sender. So it goes without saying that when Christ calls us and sends us, we don't, I don't go as Fred. I go as the Christ. I go with the same authority, same mandate, and same anointing that Christ had to communicate his message to the people. So the people's obedience of that message is actually an obedience of the sender. The people's rejection of that message is actually a rejection of that sender. That's why he said, when you go, if they reject you, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me and he that sent me. So the apostolic possesses power and anointing because the sender is Christ. He has to go with the same authority as the one that sent him. So he does not come in his name. He comes in the name of him that sent him. So I come not because I am so and so from this. I come in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's why when I stand to address spiritual things, I don't address them in any other name. I don't address them in the name of my pastor. I don't address them in the name of my father. I address them in the name of my sender who is Jesus Christ. And that gives me power and authority. I can stand before a demon-possessed man in, in confidence. And I tell him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of this man. Because demons will obey no other but Christ. And if I come in the name of Christ, I don't come because I'm educated. I don't come because I am, I am big and tall. I don't come because I come because I am sent by Jesus. So the same authority, Jesus cast out demons, I therefore can cast out demons. Jesus healed the sick, I therefore can heal the sick. Jesus raised the dead, I therefore can raise the dead. The same authority. Now, as to whether I understand the authority I carry, that's another thing. But as to whether the authority has been given, that's, that's, no, that's no doubt. Because it said, behold, I give, I give unto you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He says, go ye into the whole world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all that I have spoken to you. You go. What I have told you, now you go tell them. So, in that regard, the apostle comes. So, that word simply means the sent one. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Even Jesus himself came as the sent one. So, Jesus actually is or was an apostle, if I should say. The greatest of all apostles is Jesus. He stands in a class all by himself. That's the first class of apostles. 
if, if we are to classify them in that way. There is no higher authority than the authority of Jesus. There is no higher classification than the classification of Jesus Christ standing in his authority as an apostle, the sent one. Therefore, holy brethren, he's talking to us, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Who is he? Christ Jesus. There is no one else in that category. That's Jesus alone. He's an apostle. The Bible says that's in the book of Hebrews. You know, he's an apostle. And then there's a second class since we said, okay, let's, if we're to break them down and classify, then there's a second class that we would like to look at. The second class that we'd like to look at are the men that Jesus raised up. There were 12 in number. Obviously, one of them became a betrayer because of money and greed. And then he was replaced by another one called Matthias. So, uh, in the book of Revelation, we, we have something there. Revelation chapter 21 verse 14. Now, the 12 apostles, the 12 apostles were taught, raised up, discipled by Jesus Christ himself. He taught them how to preach. He taught them how to teach. He taught them how to do ministry, how to lay hands on the sick. He taught them how to cast out devils. He taught them how to win souls for Christ. He taught them how to, how to minister, you know, about him. So now the walls of the city had 12 foundations. On them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The Bible calls them the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Those were 12. They are only 12. They cannot be 13. They cannot be 14. They cannot be 10. They are 12. Those, they had certain qualifications as, why, as to why they were the 12 apostles of the Lamb. They were the, the ones who were sent. They are, the, the Lord sent them to bear witness of the resurrection of Christ. So let's look at Acts chapter 1 from verse 15 to 22. These were their qualifications. Those are the same, the, the same that, that you know. Peter, James, John, and the rest of them. Philip, Andrew, Bartholomew, you know, and the rest of them. Simon, Judas, Judas, there were two Judases. <clears throat> and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of them was about... 120 and said men and brethren this scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus for he was numbered with us and obtained part in this ministry. Are you, hearing, are you hearing that? He was numbered with us and obtained part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. Falling headlong, he burst open in the, mid, in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it, be, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language Akel Dama. This is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Crowns are exchangeable. If you are not faithful with what God has called you with, crowns are exchangeable. Because he said he's bishopric, let another take. Oh, let, let another take his office. There are many people that God has called, but they lost the call. Because they just didn't walk faithfully. They just didn't walk in the righteousness of God. And over time, 
You see, the Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. That means when God gives it to you, God is not going to revoke it. He's not going to say, give it back to me. However, somebody's character or lack of character can disqualify him. So it's only a matter of time. Those whom God has called, if they're not walking right, God is long-suffering. He will bear with them. But after a while, if salt loses its salt, it's not good enough. You just have to throw it out. So eventually, that's, that's why Paul prayed for one of those guys and said, just hand him over to the devil for the destruction of his soul that he might be saved. So he would rather die so he makes it to heaven. But why cut life short when you can actually live to the fullness? So Judas lacked character. He was an apostle, anointed and appointed, called of God. Judas cast out demons. Judas. Huh? Judas had a ministry. Judas carried the anointing. Some of you, how can he carry the anointing? How can he be that anointed and still do these things? Oh, yes, he can if he lacks character. He had the gift, but no character to back it up. So Judas, imagine Judas, his pastor was Jesus. His pastor was Jesus. Still, Judas was stealing and Jesus knew. But Alinyamazatu just kept quiet. Judas was stealing church funds. It's in your Bible, isn't it there? Judas was an apostle, anointed, dripping with the oil of the Holy Ghost. But the man, he had issues with money. He betrayed his own master for money. Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of evil. The love of money will get men to do crazy things. Some of you are looking at me right now. If money came into your hands, next Sunday you'll be at the beach. The pastor calls you and says, hey, I say, but pastor, you know this. Pastor, you know. To Mendelea, pastor. Huh? Hello? Are we not seeing these things? When the Lord blesses you, don't take the Lord's blessing to the heathens. Be careful. Be careful. At least retain the fear of God. Are we talking? The Bible says pride comes before a fall. And God rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That means even with great grace, whatever the power God gives you, if you will remain humble. Part of being humble is remaining teachable and correctable. If today you got money and suddenly because, you know, Pastor Sia is doing her album launch, and then you just decided, it's, it's all right, Pastor. I'm going to take care of all of it. You know, how much is it? Uh, whatever. I'm going to take care of it. And then tomorrow, Pastor Sia stands here and corrects something that was not right. And you say, Father Mo, I'm done. Who gave you the money? My friend, you are this close to losing it. You are close to losing it. Either it will not grow or you will lose it. Because now you cannot conform to, you cannot, you are not standing by the standards of Christ. You are taking the blessing that God has given you to the world. It's the same thing that happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They lost their lives early just because they couldn't be faithful with money. Money is spiritual. 
And my faith is that God will bless us. I actually have a very strong feeling in my heart that our next level in this house is financial empowerment and breakthrough. So now as you begin to get it, so it shouldn't be strange for you to get money. It shouldn't be strange for you to have it. Because at this level, if we don't have it, we will not do what God wants us to do. So when you hold money, I, I, you see, the very first people I began to raise up, when they began to get jobs, and I knew money was going to come into their hands, this is the thing I told them. I said, you know now that money is coming into your hands, it's not time to run around. Go buy land. Go buy land. That was my advice to them. Go buy land. I said, I will understand if you don't come to church on Sunday and you tell me I was somewhere buying land. I am glad they did listen. So, when you get money, huh? don't let it in. Don't let money tickle you. Yeah? you. Are you hearing? Don't let money tickle you. You get my point? Be stable. Be stable, even with that money. It came for a purpose. Do not become the next Ananias or Sapphira. Or Sapphira. Do not become the next Judas. Brother Judas. Huh? Anointed of the Holy Spirit. Huh? And his pastor is Jesus. Huh? But he still lacks character. Hello? So these ones were only 12. Okay. It says, uh, let's go back to, okay, well, here we are. Um, okay, next 20. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us, are you hearing? That? Therefore, of these men who have accompanied, accompanied us, I'm trying to justify why they were 12. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. All the time when the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from the baptism of John at that time to the day when he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. That's the apostolic mandate. To be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the greatest testimony of the character of God. Why? Because God said he will die and then he said he will rise again. And his resurrection is really what makes Christendom authentic. All the other Religions, well, thank God this is not a religion. None of them can claim that their leader rose from the dead. We know where Muhammad's grave is. We, we can go there. We know where Buddha's grave is. We can go there. We know where all Confucius's grave is. I wonder why they called him Confucius. It almost sounds like confusion. Anyway. So, we know where Jesus' grave is. The only thing is that it is empty. There is no one there. That's why he said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not there anymore. He's risen. That sounds apostolic. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, this was the criteria of the 12, that they had to have walked with Jesus. So, these are the second class of apostles. There's only 12 of them. So, most people say, oh, you know, when the last apostle died, then, you know, the, the apostolic seemed to ceased to exist. No, no, no. They, it didn't. Because even in the time of Paul, Paul comes at a different classification. Paul does not belong to the 12. 
As a matter of fact, Paul wasn't even born when Jesus walked the earth. Paul wasn't born. Go, go look at the records. Go look at the records. Yeah? So, Paul does not qualify as part of this. That's why they didn't put Paul as part of this because he wasn't there when Jesus walked in and out among them. Otherwise, then they would have chosen Paul. But they didn't. Hello? These men had to have been eyewitnesses. They were witnesses. They had become a witness with us. They had to have been eyewitnesses of this. And that was important. They had the evidence. That was important. They were ministers of the gospel. Eyewitnesses of, the, of Jesus' ministry. So these also help to lay the foundation of the church. In that most of them, not all of them, wrote scripture. And Paul wrote scripture as well, but he didn't fit this criteria because he wasn't there with them. So that makes for the second class of apostles. If that is, if we classify them. Because if you ask me, say, are those classes in the Bible? No, I'm just using that to get the lesson across. So that you understand why. Because people keep saying, ah, you know, the apostles no longer exist. Prophets no longer exist. Oh, yes, they do. And we're not talking about the fake ones. We're talking about the real ones. The ones who are called of God. Okay, yeah, they're, they're, they are true apostles of God. And they are true prophets of God as well. But since we're breaking it down, let's just, you know. So there is, okay, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. We, I said this laid the foundation. So I'm trying to give you scripture. Trying to give you scripture. Having been built. Okay, let's begin from verse 19 so that. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You take away the apostles, you take away the prophets, we don't have a foundation. The church is strong because God has anointed men in there, women in there, that are called apostles and prophets. And Jesus is the cornerstone of that foundation. In other words, the building stands, the foundation stands because Jesus Christ holds it together. Amen. The, th the, the other classification, which I would call the third classification, is, um, is that which they also helped to lay down uh, foundation, foundational doctrine uh, of the church and of the New Testament. Uh, for instance, Paul. You know that Paul wrote a large chunk, like uh, three quarters of, of the New Testament was actually written by Paul. And Paul actually says, he did not receive this by, by men, but by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. This is how Paul received that. By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men and has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to the apostles and to the prophets. It has been revealed by the Holy Spirit to the apostles and to the prophets. He says now, it has now been revealed by the apostles. So apostles and prophets still exist. But you see, I've given you these classifications so you understand. 
Jesus was alone in his class, or is alone in his class. Then we have the 12. Nobody is part of the 12. These had to have been eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus. Then we have Paul who came up later and the other people like Barnabas who came up with him, you know, and they, they helped the church as well, you know. Um, these, they helped uh, get the work done, you know. But these, like I said, Paul was not part of the 12 But God used him to write. God used him to lay foundation. You know, Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being, did we read that scripture? Jesus Christ being, uh, the chief cornerstone. We read Ephesians chapter 4. Is the same? That Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, that's, that's the same there. So the apostolic office is the first in the order. You know, God set that office first. Of course, it was the first office of the New Testament because their work was to lay foundation. But how many of you know that when a foundation is laid, the house has to be built? So it's not the only, uh, the apostles and the prophets are not the only ministry in the New Testament. There, uh, there came others, uh, the, the, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. They all came along to help along with the same work. So, the apostolic ministry is unique, however. It is unique because God has given it the ability to lay foundation. He has given it the ability to begin new works. The apostle has an exclusive anointing. His anointing, kind of, has a bit of all the other anointings. The reason why the Lord allows that is to give him the ability... To do a work. So he can go into a new place. Because apostles usually go to new places. They, places they have not been to before. They have this grace. Some of the people you call missionaries. People who leave their country. To go to another country. Their region. To go to another region. To plant a work there. Are actually apostles. So God gives them the ability to begin so they can come into a place and preach like the evangelist. We'll get to the evangelist and you'll know what the evangelist does. Evangelist is simply a soul winner. His subject is one, Jesus Christ and him crucified. He focuses on the cross, the blood, anything about Jesus, the name, anything about Jesus. And great power follows him as well. Miracles, signs and wonders. The evangelist is the advertiser. Huh? He's the marketing guy. Sales and marketing, that's his department. So he goes into a place and he preaches. Miracles happen just like in um, Acts chapter 8. Philip the evangelist goes into Samaria. He preaches and the Bible says, and miracles happened. Miracles are, you know, they're good advertisers for Jesus. It reminds me of Smith Wigglesworth who went to, he went to, um, to, to Saudi Arabia and he stood by a, way, by a road and he started preaching Jesus. And he said, Jesus can heal your sick. Jesus can cause the blind to see. Jesus can cause the lame to walk. He can cause the deaf to hear. And these people gathered. People started gathering until there was 10,000 people. And they told him, we do not believe in that Jesus of yours. Then he looked at them and he said, what if? This Jesus of mine will cause your blind eyes to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. Will you believe? They all shouted, we will believe. And he said, give me time. He began to preach to them. While he was yet preaching, blind eyes began to open. People began to shout, I can't see, I can't see. Lame people just began to get up and miracles began to happen everywhere. And they started shouting, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. It is an advertiser. The evangelist has that age. So, 
the apostle is the closest thing to an evangelist who is not an evangelist. He goes to a place and he will preach Christ and him crucified. Convincing men that they need to give their lives to Jesus and forsake their ways of sin. And they will walk away and come and receive Jesus. Then he will take them somewhere, sit them in a classroom, sit them in a church and begin to teach them. So he will begin to be like a teacher. And he will pastor them. And when they need encouragement, he will prophesy to them by revelation. So he will walk in the, in the prophetic. Paul himself was a prophet. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Okay, I need to finish. Now in the church that was at Antioch, this was the first church that was planted by the apostles. It was a Gentile church. Because at the, up to now, they were meeting in the, um, in the synagogues, they were meeting in houses, and they were not going outside of the Jewish culture. So this becomes the first church that is planted outside of the Jewish setting. So now in the church that was at Antioch, there was certain prophets and teachers. And he names them Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called a nigger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now, the church ought to understand ministering to the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord. And fasted. I ask, when did you last minister to the Lord? And when did you last fast? I know it's, it's grace. But they were on, under grace too. They still needed to fast. Some of you need to start learning how to fast. Yeah? By default, when you're busy, you actually go without hunger, you, you go without food, and it's okay. The day you decide to deliberately fast, even before you get out of the house, you are so hungry that breakfast just has to go in your stomach. I remember Kim Clement is one of the old, is one of the prophets who just passed away. He just, he died in 20. 17 or two, two or seven. Well, he died some a few years ago. And and uh, Kim had this friend who was his, you know, you know, friend in the Lord. But you know, he was challenged. He his size was, you know, he was enough. So he had a weakness. Donuts used to talk to him, you know. So they decided to fast, and he said, "Today we're fasting, right? Yeah, yeah, we're fasting." So Kim goes out and he comes back and he says, did you really fast today? He said, yeah, I did. He said, but how come I see two donuts in your stomach? The guy laughed and said, I ate two donuts. <laughs> so he names them and he said they fasted and ministered to the, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, obviously the Holy Spirit did not stand somewhere in air and begin to talk. Hi there. Since there were prophets in the house, I believe that one of those who was a prophet must have been used. But what was said, he didn't say, oh, and Barnabas said no. Because Barnabas was only reporting what the Lord had said. So it was reported that the Holy Spirit said. Now, I want you to see something here. Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Up to this time, there were certain teachers and prophets. Then now comes the calling. The one who is called. The one who is sent. Now they are going to be sent to the Gentile world. The Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul. These guys were praying and fasting. They, none of them got up and said, now... By the anointing upon me, I therefore now call you. You are now an apostle. No. The Holy Spirit said, separate, 
set apart to me Barnabas and Saul for the ministry to which I have called them. What ministry is that? The apostolic. From this time, at that time, Paul was a prophet and a teacher, and there were others with them. But from this time, he entered into the apostolic ministry, which tells me as well, and as we will prove by scripture, that, you know, now we have young men who just get up and then they get nice cards and prints. Apostle John, they just walk around. Just because you're wearing a suit, you think you're an apostle. Huh? Huh? And they're messing up people's lives. Flashing around cards. Apostle so-and-so. Huh? I was being told about one who just wanted to have everything. So he got a tag, you know, and he's a bishop, he's a pastor. He's, so he gets his bishop's robe and then he gets a, a, a tag and he writes A for apostle. Then P for prophet and he's taking it, you know, writing it down. And E for evangelist. But now if you read it going down, it reads ape. <laughs> so God doesn't want us to be apes. He wants us to be to understand. You see, God takes time to create his choice people. This is why when after God has raised someone, you can't just pull him down. It took time. It took resources for God to build someone. You don't just get up and then you say, from today I'm an apostle. And you start walking, messing up people's lives. No. With great power comes great responsibility. Amen. Amen. With great power comes great responsibility. You've got to be responsible. Standing here or any, uh, behind any altar does not give you the right to just say anything. No. Understand. These are God's people. God loves them. And you've got to take. Do what God said. Teach them the way God said. The end result should be that they should not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That they should grow in Christ. In the fullness of his teacher. No need going to a church where you're not growing in your understanding of Christ. Then it's not a church, it's just a club. Just that it has a churchy name. Huh? So, apostles listen, to, let's, let's go to uh, Acts chapter 2 from verse 4. Um, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Continue? No, it's not there. Okay. Let's read Acts, just, uh, Acts 5. I'll get back to that. No, Acts 2 verse 42, not 4. Acts 2 verse 42. Let's start from 41. See. Then those who received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the apostles' teaching. And fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Those people were in prayer. These are continuing in prayer. These are all apostolic creeds. They are, they are, you know, they were, this is what the apostles did. Verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The apostles of Jesus Christ also walk in a high level of, of signs and wonders, you know, and that's, that's part of the, the spiritual equipment for their ministry. As the, the Acts chapter 5 verse 12 confirms the same. I need to stop. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. 
So the apostolic, under the apostolic, you should also expect to receive signs and wonders by the Lord himself. Because the Bible says they went preaching everywhere and the Lord walking with them. Signs and wonders following. They went preaching everywhere. So the, the signs and wonders should follow the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Paul, you see, up to that time, Acts chapter 13, Paul was a teacher and a prophet. But later on, God said, separate this to the ministry that I've called him. Look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Galatians 1, 1, you know, it says, and Paul, an apostle, not from men, you see that? Not from men, nor through men, but through Christ Jesus and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So he acknowledges his ministry as an apostle. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.